0: I'm Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC talks with Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial. This episode of the Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast is brought to you courtesy of Solutions. Let's jump in as Casey and Sean talk about the natural gas market, which recently saw an 80% drop from its highs. Then they switch gears and move on to soybeans and other commodities and what the world markets are looking at.
1: Yeah, I've got Sean Hackett here with us from Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. And Sean, how are you doing this morning, man?
2: I'm doing good, Casey. Really, really good to be back on the show.
1: So. Yeah, me too. I was I was uh, a tad bit under the weather last week. And for whatever reason, I couldn't talk very well in the morning. Something about not being able to catch my breath. So I don't know if I'm just... You're, that- you're
2: upset She you actually enjoyed that, but that's not well, important
1: now. probably did. <laughs> probably did. I was. I don't know if I'm that out of shape or if I was that sick. So. <laughs> combination of both i would i would guess (laughs) all right sean last week you put out an article uh or an article uh a a report out and you hit on natural gas a little bit there and we've been watching natural gas go from 10 bucks down to under two and it's actually lower now than it was when it took off the first time so i guess sean take a look at that that nat gas market and what do you see there
2: well you know everyone had uh bid up the natural gas market expecting a energy crisis in Europe
1: mm-hmm.
2: and of course a kind of a short warm winter which we had been warning about took the punch bowl away um and allowed for that crisis to abate and as such the market came tumbling down and of course natural gas being what it is it tends to be the wild wild west of commodities in terms of its volatility um, and so, yeah, we, we, we knocked this market down, you know, over 80% from its highs and actually made kind of a V bottom here about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, uh, and then rallied almost, um, 50% off the lows, uh, before having a little bit of a correction yesterday. So it looks to me just as to give you kind of a, a, benchmark. If you look at natural gas, going back to, to the, to 1990, we watch something called a deviation from the 200 moving average. It's a measure of how stretched the market can get up or down. The record deviation natural gas has ever seen below its twenty moving average was sixty one percent in nineteen ninety four, which set a very important low. We got down to sixty seven percent below the twenty moving average at the lows from a couple of weeks ago, um, suggesting an extreme, at least short term, you know, overdoing to the downside uh and and so now we've had this you know rally up the lows. but when you really think about it casey natural gas in europe and asia is between 15 to 20 dollars down from 100 by the way right but still 15 to 20 dollars, and we're sitting in the twos the world will continue to buy as much lng from the united states as they can possibly get their hands on that we can possibly sell to them given our overall lng export capacity um everyone in the world will do everything they can to get their hands on that kind of cheap energy even you factor in shipping costs it's incredibly cheap energy now remember the freeport uh export terminal mm-hmm. which exports 25% of lng exports was has been offline since september of last year because of a big fire that they had it's finally come back online here in march and they're expected to get up to full capacity here in april and may so now we we've, we've just in, literally overnight increased our capacity to sell 25% more than we had been at a time that natural gas is just crazy cheap here so uh, you know throwing some uh, kind of some cooler weather here in march um, you know finally getting a little bit of a cool weather after a warm winter and and we and it looks to me like the an important low in natural gas has been made um and i think that uh, it doesn't mean by the way we're going back to 10 anytime soon i'm not suggesting that but i think you know, when you're starting when you when you see natural gas prices in the twos the long term picture for anyone that needs cash supplies whether it's propane whether it's natural gas whether it's fertilizer you know anything related to natural gas derivatives at this moment i think you're looking at a long term good opportunity to be locking in some long term cash needs
1: at this moment in time yeah yeah it kind of kind of looks like that way sean you take a look what's going on there's a it's really low right now and and like you just said there's some opportunities because this we're you know we're going through uh a, a bit of a warm-up here from what we've seen over the last um i don't know couple maybe last 60 days or so but we still have these uh like this week you know where it's the highest 37 and the, the lows are in the 20s and it just doesn't stay very warm or very long. So there's there's definitely some that's spring hanging on or winter hanging on to spring there a little bit.
2: Yeah, and it's and 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 you know if you look at this a seasonal chart of natural gas uh throughout, you know, not every year does it doesn't you know seasonals are averages, not every year, but typically uh natural gas likes the bottom in the latter part of February and early March in most years as a seasonal uh you know. Kind of a situation and if you look at the price chart we kind of bought right there in a lot of part of february kind of right when the seasonals would suggest didn't have to turn out that way but i mean it, it, it's a it's it was the right time for the market to say you know what unless we're going to zero enough's enough <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah all right let's jump over and talk about soybeans for just a minute we have a couple things going on one argentina still has continued to uh, cut their soybean crop um two weeks ago, they had a pretty big cut there about 5 million metric tons and they're cutting another million metric tons off of that. Um, and then you've got China buying, um, record, um, soybean, um, from the United States and Brazil, both at the same time. So I guess, Sean, look at the, at the overall soybean marketplace. Um, what are your thoughts there? And, you know, like we've talked about quite a bit here, we've talked about, um, a lot of different um scenarios when it comes to renewable fuels and what's that look like in the future when it comes to soybeans so I guess looking at overall stocks in the world right now uh, depending on what happens with with, uh, with Brazil and what that crop to- ultimately ends up looking like um we could have a fair amount of soybeans on the market here this, this time next year
2: well the way I look at South America you know it 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 it, it looks like whatever Brazil gained in production from a year ago Brazil uh Argentina lost it okay now of course Argentina sells meal and oil not really raw soybeans Brazil sells raw soybeans, so we're going to have bigger exports of raw soybeans kind of Brazil but the overall exports of raw soybeans and derivative products like meal and oil is going to be about the same so there's not going to be any net new supplies coming out of South America because we're kind of almost looking at a half a crop in Argentina which means they're going to be their exports of meal and oil are going to be significantly constrained so that's not bearish it's not bullish it's just it just keeps the situation as it was a year ago which means the u.s has to have a big crop right now you know we've gone over a lot of scenarios of renewable diesel and True. the amount of capacity coming online i mean bare bear minimum of, if we chop down everything and we we try to get as bare minimum as we possibly can with all the different scenarios, we need 10 to 12 million additional acres planted in the U.S. of soybeans over the next two years. If you believe the USDA's outlook report and some of the private estimates, we're not expected to increase soybean acres this year at all. That's a mispricing. And if you look at the price of new crop soybeans, it's been gaining on corn. It's been gaining on spring wheat been gaining on cotton it's been gaining on rice because it realized it made a terrible mistake it's mispriced new crop soybeans relative to competing crops and it needs to get acres in right and so i believe that the trend of of soybeans outperforming other crops to gain those acres as we get into the planting season is going to continue until the market gets comfortable that it's remedied the error that they made and it gets like I said, some of those acres over to soybeans, because we I don't think we can afford, Casey, to have a flat acreage here this year with all that's coming for, for 24 and 25. I think we need to start you know, getting a few million or two or three million more acres this year and, and then adding it next year. So so to me, that's the other big story is soybeans having to price itself competitively to gain some acres in those acreage areas that can switch It needs to do it in a hurry and it's starting to do so. All the ratio charts I just mentioned are showing soybeans outperforming all of the crops right now.
1: Yeah, so. and that's what it's looking like from what I've been just watching on my on my chart. it's Just been uh, soybeans have kind of caught a little bit of a got a little steam headed their way.
0: We'll get back to the discussion in a moment, but first I wanted to thank our sponsor, Agro Solutions. Improve performance and durability with a wide range of premium tillage parts and extended life solutions with Agro Solutions. As the market leader in wearable parts, components, accessories, and solutions for tillage, seeding, planting, and fertilizing, AgriSolutions is proud of their purpose, to build and feed the world. To learn more about Solutions and their globally recognized brands such as Belota, Ingersoll Tillage, and Trinity Logistics, visit agrisolutionscorp.com. Now back to Casey. All
1: right, so let's talk about what's going on over in pork production here for just a minute. so you got the Chinese out there talking like they're gonna increase pork production, but they they say that every year and they still buy record amounts. Um and then you start looking at where we're at um in the United States as far as pork prices go. But you look at the pork market right now, you've talked about some some bearishness here the first year, and then maybe seen some some of that kind of wear off here towards the uh the second quarter going into the third quarter of the year. What are your thoughts on on the pork market? Are they still the same?
2: I mean, even though I I, I can appreciate and understand that, that pork is not necessarily a one-for-one replacement for beef, it's not. It's two different meats and it's not a perfect provision, but <laughs> when you have the beef price trading at an historic premium to the pork price, um, the economics are so severe yeah. uh, that anyone that is looking at providing meat proteins on the table for their families has to be looking at adding pork protein to their diet relative to beef protein. I mean, the, 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 the the gap is just too, too severe. And so I believe that, and this is not just here in United States, this is everywhere. There's just a massive, massive gap. So that means demand for pork is going to improve around the world. Um, And as China comes out of their COVID chaos, obviously they're going to be needing more meat proteins and obviously they're going to be also needing, you know, more pork. So, so overall, I think the demand side of the equation looks pretty good as we get into the second quarter onward, you know, given this huge disparity. And, you know, once again, I, I don't, nobody knows what the truth is in China. Anybody that says they know the truth in China, they don't. All I know is that the uh, hog price in China has been rising. And that means there's not enough hogs for the pork Supplies that they need, which says that we don't have a, an overburdensome supply of pork in China, especially as it come out of COVID chaos. Um, and then I look at the animal feeding units here in the United States, and you know it's been kind of flatlined here for three or four years, and I don't see anything that suggests that's going to change. So we have a pretty good situation for an improvement in price for the U.S. hog price here going into the second quarter, and probably you know going into the into the summer and the fall. I I, I think this is a a pretty good area for, you know, if you're in the, if you're a um, packing house and you're thinking I need to be locking in some animals here for the grilling season. And, you know, I I just think this is a good place to be protecting upside price risks on your cash market needs. um, You know, I just think this is a pretty good value area to be looking to do some of those longer term things that typically are very, you know, it's it's how you run a a packing house as you try to lock in good input costs against what you think your end user you know pork price is going to be so i i haven't really changed the view other than i just feel that the disparity between the two has gained even more and it just makes the the case even stronger that hog prices and pork prices have to rally strongly as we get into the second quarter onward
1: Right on. okay all right so two weeks ago i believe um Brazil had a outbreak of mad cow disease in their cattle herd and subsequently uh, stopped selling beef to China. Um, there's a report this morning that Mexico is going to allow Brazilian beef imports. But I guess looking at that, Sean, what kind of impact did you have? You seen that make on the overall beef marketplace um, since the last over the last two weeks? And and I guess what are your what are your thoughts there in an already fairly tight um marketplace.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're already tight and you know, there's no animals coming for the next couple of years and you throw in a loss of Brazilian beef exports to China, um, and we don't know how long, of course, maybe, maybe it'll be over this afternoon. We don't know. Right. I think the last time we went through this, if I remember correctly, I think it was two or three months, um, where they couldn't sell and then they were able to sell again, Mm -hmm. I have to believe you know, that this won't be any longer than that. And maybe it could be shorter than that. So it's a short term thing. I mean, obviously it has extra demand for U.S. beef that wouldn't otherwise be there at a time that we're already tight. And of course, it it's given the market an extra boost here. But I'd also be careful on the opposite side when you get that announcement that, um, you know, China says, oh, they're, they're comfortable again. They're going to buy it. They're okay with beef imports from Brazil again. You know, you could get the opposite side of the trade where everyone says, okay, all is well. You know we we overplayed this so you gotta be very very careful at that kind of a news story it's it's i i really don't believe it's going to be a long-term thing but it has created a short-term boost to price at a time that the market was already tight
1: yeah so you're looking at what like you're talking about packers a little bit ago but here's a report that that packers bought ninety one thousand head of cattle and a negotiated market last week second highest tally of the year so it still shows even though the price of of, of beef is as high as it is they're still just record seems like record demand for for beef right now
2: beef demand has been surprisingly resilient yeah. it has been um um it it seems that um
1: um you kind of the space th- of everything around you too like you wouldn't think it would be as 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 expensive it is as it is you didn't think you'd be that way
2: it's one of those uh enigmas you know it, it could be that it all comes crashing down all at once and it's just uh uh, a final uh, surge in, in demand but it has been surprising case so i have to admit that when you're looking at weak demand in a lot of other areas you would have thought that the box beef price would have um softened here some uh, it doesn't mean it won't soften but it it, it has been resilient and um you know I, I i guess it just means that u.s has enough people with enough money that really really like beef and don't want to give it up given the supply of animals that are available to, and that's um We'll have to just continue to watch that trend because if, if if we're moving into a a beef market that's becoming non-economically sensitive that's a totally different ball game to what we've been that we've seen over the last 30 or 40 years where we know beef demand tends to come off so i wouldn't say the test is over yet you know it, it does look like conditions are going to get worse in here uh into the second quarter the fed's going to continue to raise those rates a lot of the indicators are continuing to show things are going to get worse but if we get into the End of the second quarter, KC, and we haven't seen a material decline in beef demand. We're going to have to kind of rework our numbers about what that means for the overall supply-demand equation if we're moving into a more imper- impervious demand base based upon the economy. I'm not willing to throw that hat in the ring yet, but it's certainly something we've gone long enough with strong demand for beef that one has to question whether we're, we've shifted gears here, some to a different uh, supply-demand mechanism here.
1: Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Right. All right, Sean. Good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you have going over there at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that?
2: We have a website at Hackett H A C K E T T advisors.com. We have a Twitter page at at x Eleven. We have a LinkedIn page. You can look up my name, Sean Hackett. You can look up our company name, Hackett Financial Advisors. We oftentimes will put from time to time some interviews or some quick blurbs about some of these weather cycles and you know and fundamental things that we talk about that can keep people in the loop and uh and so that would be a good place for people to you know try to keep on tabs of what we might be thinking very at various times throughout the year
1: so right. okay check it out sean's got tons of information out there especially on his website there over at hackfinancialadvisors.com um check that out over there a lot of good information there in the simple google search of sean hackett you're going to find tons of tons of interviews and stuff out there uh and stuff too so check that out sean appreciate you being the podcast man
2: thank you casey love your show and it's an honor to be on it
1: so. i appreciate that i'm casey seymour with moving iron podcast check me on facebook twitter and instagram at moving iron llc go to linkedin at moving iron podcast and check out the Mo- moving iron podcast youtube channel which is shockingly enough named the moving iron podcast youtube channel so Really, really thought on that one a long time. So check that out there. Um, All the the videos that we do, every podcast that we do, the video version of it, it's up there at the same time. So um, movingironllc.com is where you can find everything Moving Iron related. I just posted a whole bunch of blogs because I'm really bad about posting those blogs after I write them. So they're up there now. With that, I'm Casey Seymour. with Sean Hackett. Smooth smart folks.
0: Thanks to Casey for sharing his conversation with us. You can keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.